There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter 22. We've been going through the scriptures, seeing where God interrupts. I was uh, at the jail yesterday and. Uh, I uh, was preaching one of the series, one from this series down there, uh, from the But God series, and I said, you know, God oftentimes interrupts our lives. And, uh, you know, I said, I have a problem with that. A lot of times I interrupt when people are talking. I just I just want to talk so much that I interrupt people sometimes. Well, maybe I shouldn't do that, but God has a way of just interrupting anywhere He wants to in our lives. And so that's what we've been studying and that we've come to the next one, which is a little bit different. There's a little change in the phrase, but yet the truth is still the same. Let's all stand. Luke chapter number 22 and look at verse 31. Luke 22 and verse 31. Luke 22 verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Boy, if he'd have just stopped right there, we'd all be in trouble. But notice verse 32, he said, But I, there's your but God, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. But I have prayed for thee, said the Lord Jesus to Peter. I want to speak to you today about how that God interrupts our sifting. How God interrupts our sifting. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I first of all want to thank You for those that have come in and assembled today. God, I pray that they come with hearts that are ready to receive what Your Word has to say. Father, I pray that You'd take this message and that You'd do some heart work in us today. Oh, I heard about a fellow this week that had heart surgery, Father. God, I pray You'd take this Word of God by Your Spirit and You'd dissect our hearts and You'd move and work in our spirit and correct some things and and assure us of some things this morning. God, I pray You'd teach us about Your intercessory work. How that Your intercession can interrupt our sifting. The plans that the devil has to come and tear up our lives and tear up our families and tear up our churches. Thank God there's an interceding Christ on our behalf, that can interrupt His plans. God, we just pray that uh, for those that may be here lost today, the devil's got plans for them, plans to take them straight to hell. Oh, Father, we pray You interrupt their lives today and bring salvation to their hearts through repentance and faith. God, just move and work. Help me as I try to preach. Father, strengthen me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Lead me in what You'd have me to say. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. In 1986, a man named George McDonald was the president of the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship across colleges all around America. He was admired. He was respected by countless people in the Christian community. 
But within a year in 1986, 1987, he was a broken man. You see, Mr. George McDonald or Dr. McDonald had been caught in committing adultery. By 1988, he was on the long road to healing and wrote a therapeutic book uh, uh, which was entitled Rebuilding a Broken World. I read some excerpts about that uh, about that uh, book and, and some of the things Mr. McDonald said. He said that this book uh, was not about those that had been broken by an illness or broken by uh, some kind of uh, uh, taking of a loved one. Uh, but this one... This book he wrote was about those that had been broken by their own foolish decisions. Along the foolish things that they had done in their life. In this book, Mr. McDonald shared an experience that took place several years before his adulterous relationship. He was on a campus giving a commencement speech when he, he started a conversation with someone that was on the school board, a school board member. After they exchanged some pleasantries back and forth, the school board member asked this. He said, if Satan were to blow you out of the water, how do you think he'd do it? George McDonald answered, said, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. He said, all sorts of ways, I suppose, but I know there's one way he wouldn't get me. The school board member said, what's that? Mr. McDonald answered, he'll never get me in the area of personal relationships. That's the one place where I have no doubt I'm as strong as you can get. And only a year later we find him falling in the very area he had so much confidence in. You see, little did George McDonald know that on the heels of these confident words, a sift was just around the corner. You know, in the same manner we find Peter in the same situation. Peter, we find the, the scene of this text is in the upper room. Jesus had just gone through and had that final supper with his, uh, with his disciples there. Peter, he'd gone by and washed the feet of the disciples. What, disciples, what did Peter say when he came to wash his feet? Oh no, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said in, in John, I believe it's chapter number, uh, 12. He said that, well, if I don't have wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Peter has them bold words. Well, then Jesus, wash my head, my hands, wash all over me. I'm all in with you. Peter comes after this text to have haughty words and says, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'm ready to die. Ready to die for you. But you know the story as well as I do. In the Garden of Gethsemane, all the disciples forsook Him. Peter himself, in the midst of the sifting of Satan, denied Jesus, even cussed that he didn't even know Jesus Christ as uh, 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 that he was not a disciple uh, of Jesus. You know, we're all vulnerable to Satan's sifting. I don't care where you are in your Christian experience, in the growth of yourself as a believer, we're all vulnerable to the siftings of Satan. But here in our text, we are assured of the interceding uh, ministry of Christ. Every child of God can count on Two things. Number one, you can count on the sifting of Satan. Number two, you can count on the prevailing intercession of a great high priest. I want to look at this text and I want to give you three facts from Peter's sifting. Three facts where God came right down in the middle of Peter's sifting and, and interceded and, and interrupted the sifting of Peter. 
The first thing I want you to see is the invitation of the initiation of the sift. The initiation of the sift. These words of sifting were intended to shape Simon Peter. As Simon Peter, uh, from his self-confidence, in verse 33, if you'll turn over a page, he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Peter said, I'm ready to die for you, Lord. And yet, at the same time, the sift is coming. The sift has been initiated. But where did the sift come from? Where was this sift initiated from? Well, Jesus gives us some insight into that. You see, Satan is at the heart of the sift. Satan is at the heart of the sift. Look at verse 31. He, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. Jesus makes it clear that the heart of this trial, the heart of the sifting, the temptation that Peter's going to endure comes from none over, none other than the devil. The thief which cometh not forth but to steal and to kill. Jesus gives us a little insight into some heavenly happenings here. Evidently, Satan's been knocking on the door and saying, Jesus, just let me at Peter. Jesus, just let me have a chance at it. You see, the devil is wanting to sift Peter. Did you know that Satan prays? But you didn't know that. Half the Christian community don't give uh, any time of day to prayer in their life, but Satan sure does. Yeah, this word here, Simon hath desired. You know, uh, you can only discern the real meaning of that word desired by its context. You take that same Greek word and put it in Jesus' teachings on prayer, you'll find the same thing. That word desired there is in this, is the same word in other passages that means to pray. That means to seek the face of God. Do you realize that God, that Satan prays that he can get at you? He begs God to allow him to, to, uh, uh, he begs God to pull up that providential hedge about the life of the believer so Satan can sift the people of God. Isn't it a comforting thought? Even in the midst of, or on the front part of, of Peter's sifting, isn't it comforting to know that Satan's got to go to God in order to get to you? That everything that comes and encounters our lives Every sifting or trial that we go through has been gleaned through the hands of God. He can't, just like Satan had to go to God and to get to Job. Remember how that uh, Satan sondered in before God and he said, I've been going to and fro in this earth. I've been having my way. Seemingly to stick it in front of the face of God. He said, yeah, I'm the prince of the power of the air. I'm going wherever I want to. And then God brings up Job. Hey, you been down there seen Job lately? Well, that's the one place I can't go. Why? Because you got a hedge about it. You got a protection. Here we find Satan is petitioning God. He's petitioning the Lord Jesus that this hedge be lifted up and that Satan, you see, Satan's at the heart of the sift. It may be, it may work off of the permission of God. It may work off of his permi permissiveness, but the heart of the sift is in Satan. Notice not only does Satan is at the heart of the sift, but also shipwreck is the hope of the sift. The sifting that Jesus mentions 
is a word picture that conveys the goal of Satan. Look at what he said. He said, He hath desired to have you that He may sift you as wheat. Jesus is giving a word picture. He's drawing from that agricultural uh, life that they lived and pulled in the, the, the picture of, of wheat and of chaff. You see, in Palestine, in the harvest times in those days, that wheat would be picked from the field. It would be cut down. And they'd take that wheat, and the wheat would grow inside of a husk. You know, any of y'all ever shuck corn? You know, the, the shuckings around there is like a husk. That's what they call the husk. And to pull that off, you have to you know take a knife and you cut the pull the husk. Well, on the wheat's the same way. That little kernel of wheat, either side, it's got that husk of chaff. And that chaff has to be removed. And so what they do is they beat that wheat and they jostle it and they shake it and they distress that uh, that wheat in order that that chaff uh, might uh, uh, might be blown away. The word sift means to rattle or to shake violently. And in verse thirty-two, it says, "What does he want to do?" In verse thirty-two, look, he I pray, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Satan's after his faith. Satan's after his trust in God. You see, Satan says, I'll ring his bell and his faith will flutter away like the chaff in the wind. Remember what he said about, oh, this is so analogous to Job. Oh, God, he said, he said, you've let me touch his finances, but you let me touch his body and what? He'll curse you to his face. He'll curse you to your face. You see, Satan was after Job's faith and Peter's faith. Doubtless, when the sift comes in our life, guess what his aims for? Guess what he's got his sights for? Your faith! Your trust in a living God! You see, and if it were up to us, if it were up to us to hold together our faith, our little phony plastic faith would fall off and be carried away by the wind. But as we see later, our faith is not left up to us. We're not left up to our own to preserve our own faith and to keep our own selves in the midst of our sifting. But that's Satan's goal. His objective, his aim is to shake your faith. That's the hope. To shipwreck our lives. To make us faithless in this world. Satan is at the heart of the sift. Shipwreck is the hope of the sift. Now finally, self-assurance is the happenstance. Of the sift. I know I'm reaching with happenstance, but it took me forever to find that H word to get it to fit right there. But that's the occasion. You see, Satan found an inroad into, into, uh, into, uh, Peter's life there by his self-assurance. Just like George McDonald in my opening illustration, uh, 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 his bold statement left the door wide open for attack. Peter's pledge in verse number 33 provided the occasion for the attack. I don't believe that Satan can read your mind. I don't believe he's omniscient. He may whisper in your ear. He may have the imps from hell perch on your shoulder and tempt you and whisper in your ear, but he can't read your thoughts. I guarantee you he can hear you. You better be careful of what you confidently say. You better be careful in your chest beating uh, around other Christians and say, well, I've conquered this or I'm above that. What the old preacher say to the fellow that came to him and said, I'm living above sin. He said, the only way you'll do that is live over the top of a pool hall. 
That's the only way any Christian is going to live above sin. Because we all can have that occasion. When we, in self-confidence, uh, make these boastful statements, we open the door wide open and God's saying, where's the sin? Where's the sin, Peter? I'm going to show you how, how strong you are. And he'll lift that providential hedge and allow that sift to come in. I've got it all under control. I've got my marriage under control. I've got my kids on tap. I've got my job well within my reach. And all the while, God's saying, where's that sift? Oh, it's sifting time in much of America today, isn't it? We thought we were, we thought we were depression proof. We thought wow, all the gears and, and turnings that we could do in our economy, we thought, well, we're depression proof. God says, I'll find the sift for America. I'll sift it out. You see, here is the, uh, the attempt of Satan is to, we open up the door through our self-assurance and give occasion for the sift. You see, that's the initiation of the sift. That's where it comes from. Satan is the origin and his plan is to shipwreck our faith. And we end up helping him by our what? Self-confidence. Instead of God consciousness and God confidence, we've got self-confidence. But see, second of all, not only the initiation of sifting, but also the intercession in sifting. The intercession. We would have all been a mess if Jesus, like I said earlier, had stopped at verse 31. Look at verse 31 or verse 32. He said, but I have prayed for thee. It'd been awful if he'd have stopped at verse 31. Man, Satan wants you. Pat you on the back and say good luck. That'd have been awful. We'd have been no, we'd have been in no position to withstand the onslaught of Satan. But then he says what? I prayed for you, Peter. <laughs> I've prayed for you. That's what's going to make the difference. It's not going to make the difference uh, uh, so much as how strong you are mentally and how much uh, memorization you have of the Word of God, although it would be a great help and God uses it. It's not so much in you, it's in His intercession. He said, I've prayed for you, Peter. You see, it's not the end of the story there in verse 31. The Son of God, God the Son interrupting the sifting of Peter. That's what we see here. Is that God is interrupting Peter's sifting. Notice, first of all, we see the Christ of intercession. He said, but I have prayed for thee. I was speaking yesterday, the other day with a pastor on the phone and uh, introducing myself, getting to know the fellow a little bit before we hung up on the phone. And uh, he said, I want to pray for you. And right there on that phone, he bowed his head and began to pray for me and and I tell you what, that prayer was humbling. And that prayer was encouraging that he shared with me. And I'm going to tell you what. No prayer. I don't care if it was Adrian Rogers praying for me. I don't care if it was Ken Trivet praying for me. No prayer would be more uh, uplifting. No prayer would make me more confident than what? Than Jesus praying for me, the Son of God. Jesus Himself, the perfect Son of God, interceding on my behalf. Give me all the confidence in the world. Even when my carnality, even when my self-confidence has left the door wide open for attack, thank God, Hebrews 7.25 says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is constantly on the throne going into behalf on Ronnie Brown's behalf before the Heavenly Father said, I know He's done it again. I know those foolish 
self-confident words, but God, he's my child. God, I love him. I saved him. Keep him from the sift. My, my faith would have been shipwrecked a long time ago in my, in my confidence and my self-confidence had it not been for the intercessory ministry of God at the throne of God. One of my favorite quotes from Robert Murray McShane is this. He said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear in a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. You say, you don't know how you're going to make it through the sea this sift is unbearable. It's about to shipwreck my faith, Brother Ronnie. I can't take a sift like this, be assured. Distance makes no matter. He's at the throne praying on your behalf. And I'm going to tell you what, Jesus always gets His prayers answered. <laughs> Jesus always gets the nod from the Heavenly Father. He is the all-wise, all-knowing, omniscient Christ. He knows the mind of the Spirit and the mind of God. And He goes in on our behalf. You see, it is the Christ of the intercession. Not only the Christ of intercession, but the concern of intercession. The concern. What does Jesus pray for? Well, He prays for what the devil's got His eyes on. He said, I prayed for your faith. He said, I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Remember, that's what Satan wants. He wants that faith blown away like a chaff in the wind. You know, chaff is blown away because it has no substance. You know, uh, in the Palestinian countries, they'll take all that wheat and all those kernels with the chaff on it and they'll take it and they'll, uh, two ladies will get a blanket and they'll put all that wheat in there and they'll throw it up in the air and it'll land on that and they'll smash on that, uh, on that blanket and they'll throw it in the air again. And as they do that, the wind comes by and blows that chaff away. So in the end, all they got in that blanket is wheat. The reason chaff gets blown away it ain't got no substance. It's lighter than the, than the wheat. The wheat falls down, but the chaff gets carried away by the wind. You see, there is a, that's a lot like people's false professions. And when, when the sift come, there's no intercession by Christ. Therefore, they're blown away by the wind of adversity and trial. You see it. We've seen it firsthand in this place. We've seen the folks come in and they go and they come in. They'll be fired up one minute. And the next minute when the trial comes, when the adversity comes, their faith is blown away like that. It's a false profession. It's a false, a false profession. Here we find that the, the true child of God has that weight of faith in himself that God planted there. And if that faith is there, if we are the children of God, we'll not be blown away. Take heart, Christian. Satan may think you're a chaff, but God knows you're wheat. God intercedes for His children. God lends weight to that testimony. John 17, 9, that high priestly prayer, Jesus said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me. For they're mine. Oh, thank God Jesus is praying for us. Faith in a, in a prayer prayed, faith in a baptismal exercise, faith in a card filled out, is not anchored to the intercession of Christ. It's chaff. It'll blow away. Baptismal exercise, here today and gone tomorrow. little prayer somebody led you in, here today and gone tomorrow. But that genuine faith, that genuine faith is that wheat that can't be blown away by the wind. You see, but my faith is tied 
to Christ's intercession, it, it, it's enough to see me through the sifts of this life and place my feet slam on the, the streets of gold. His intercession is enough to see me through the sift. You see, the concern of this intercession of Christ was for the faith. Notice lastly, that we see the Christ of intercession, the concern of intercession, then the construction of intercession. Now, if you'll read on, you'll find that the sift came. Sure as the world. The sift came. Peter was sifted. Peter ran when the, when the, the, the enemy came to get Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, Peter cussed, uh, and, and refused, denied the Lord Jesus. And even attempted to return back to an old life of fishing. You see, the intercession of Jesus did not avoid the sift. Jesus didn't say that you'll be spared the sift. Jesus didn't say that you're not going to go through the sift because the sift has an intended purpose. You see, the construction of the intercession is the fact that we will go through the sift. Can't avoid the sifts of life. God's going to test every child of His, but He does so in order to build us. He does in order to, first of all, break us. God has a funny way of only using broken things. God takes broken things and uses them more effectively than He could anything else. God has a way of taking broken things and using them for His glory. It's like a shotgun. I'm not much of a gun person, but I do know that if you're going to load a shotgun, what you got to do to it? You got to break it down. Put those shells in it. Then she's ready to go. Just like on the day of Pentecost, God may have used, uh, Satan may have, have sifted Peter and God takes that sifting, breaks Peter down. And what does he do? Loads him like a shotgun, puts him up there on Pentecost. I'm getting ahead of myself, but puts him there on Pentecost to be used for the glory of God. You see, oftentimes God uses the sift to break us. Half the time we're so self-sufficient in this life, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone looking and seeking after God that hadn't been broken by some circumstances in life. But isn't that what they do? God sends the sift to break our self-confidence, to break our self-will, and to bring us into dependence upon God. You see, the initiation of the sift and the, and the intercession in the sieve. Now finally, I want to, I want to show you the interruption of the sieve. You see, God can interrupt the sieves of Satan in our lives. You remember Joseph went through the sieve. He, uh, he was sold by his brothers into Egypt's land. Potiphar uh, wrongly accused him, finds himself in the prison. But finally, one day, God interrupts that sieve, puts him on the throne. What does he tell his brothers? Ye meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Job went through the sift. God lifted that hedge. Satan attacked. But Job said with confidence, I know when I come through this, I'll come forth as gold. And that's exactly what happened. God brought him through the sift with twice as much as he had before after the sift as on the front side of the sift. God takes us through the sift and makes us something for our good and His glory. God interrupts our sift and does so for our good and His glory. Notice, first of all, the recovery of the sifted. Notice in the latter part of verse number 32, He said it is uh, in verse number 
32, he said, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When thou art converted, means it's not going to be over with the sea of Peter. There's more to this story. Something's going to happen in the end. This, this phrase converted here, I see it as the recovery of the sifted. When thou art converted, although the word convert means salvation through repentance and faith, it can also just mean turned, changed, or even recovered. Recovered. Jesus is saying, this sift is coming, Peter. It's going to hit you full board in this life, but I've prayed for you, and in the end, you'll be recovered. You'll be put back into a state that you rightfully deserve. You'll be back in the recovered state. One of my favorite preachers, Dr. Larry Brown, said this, when God saw Pentecost before Simon ever saw the sea. God saw Pentecost before Simon ever saw the sea. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You may get a phone call and you may be headlong into the sift of your life. You may think, I'll never recover from this. I'll never uh, be recovered or I'll never uh, be uh, restored from this situation. But I think, I thank God we can take confidence that before the sift ever gets here, is that God already sees the recovery. Before the sift ever comes, God already sees the Pentecost in our life. A disciple that sunk so low as to curse the people that accused him to be with Christ was recovered and used by God to save 3,000 souls. The recovery of the sifted sword does help me. You never know when the sift has come, but it's good to go in that sift with confidence, knowing that God sees the other end from the beginning. God knows that He'll see me through this sift. I know Him. I am my beloved's and He is mine. He's interceding for me. I'll make it go through the other side of the sift. The recovery of the sift, but also the reinforcement of the saint. Notice what it says right here. When thou art converted, what did He tell him to do? Strengthen the brethren. Jesus' prayers are always answered. And, and I, I, he says, I've prayed for you, Peter. You're going to be recovered. Now, on the other side of that recovery, I want you to strengthen your brothers. If you have been through the sift and recovered, you are obligated to reinforce the saints around you for the coming sift. You are, you are encouraged. You are obligated to reinforce your brothers and sisters. I think of what, what 2 Corinthians 1 4 said. Paul talking to the folks at Corinth said, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. When you are recovered from the sin, your job is to warn and to reinforce those going through the sin. You see, I've been through the sin before. I've been through a lot of difficulty. But what I can be assured of, I can be assured of a whole lot, but what I can be assured of is that God's promises are true just as much as He said, Peter, I've prayed for you. The same is true. Ronnie, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. I've gone through the sip before in my self-confidence. Oh, listen, my faith was nigh unto being shipwrecked. And oh, how God came through miraculously and recovered me. And He's using me now to reinforce others. God can interrupt our sift and recover it. 
I believe that's why Peter wrote uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. He said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that I, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter in that verse is doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. Peter, when you get through this on the other side, strengthen your brothers. And that's what he did. Be vigilant. Be sober. Your adversary, the devil, cometh after you like a, a roaring lion seeking him and may devour. You see, I believe he wrote that in remembrance of what Christ told him to do. In closing, despite the sift that happened to George MacDonald, you remember the adulterous affair? And all of what he went through, God has used him and his sifting experience in the lives of pastors, of schools, of colleges and churches. And being sifted, God used him to reinforce others. I don't want anybody to see, to go through a sift like George MacDonald did. I don't want to see that happen to anybody. But when we do go through a sift, then the sifts are going to come. The sift, the trials and the adversities are going to be hurled at us. But take confidence in the, in the fact that Jesus said, I prayed for thee. I've interceded for thee. I've gone in on your behalf. And I prayed that thy faith fail not. And Jesus' prayers are always answer. Are you being sifted today? You know, we can all look our best on Sunday morning when we come in. And we can look like nothing's going on and everything's right with the world. But the truth of the matter is, deep down in our heart, oftentimes there's a sift raging. There's a shaking. And there's a, there's a troubling going on there. And it feels like our worlds are going to be shaken apart. Be assured, if you're the child of God, that Christ is interceding on your behalf. He said, I prayed for your faith that it fail not. And when you're converted, such confidence in the Lord Jesus. Peter, when you're on the other side of the sift, help your brethren. Help the other ones around you that are going through the same thing. Let's all stand as we come with a song of invitation. Maybe you're here today and you're going through the sift. The tall, confident words of... Uh, a few years ago, maybe haunting words like for George McDonald in that book. Oh, listen, I've got, if there's any place that I don't feel like Satan can attack me, it's in my personal relationships. A year later, caught up in an adulterous affair. What would have been your haughty words of pride and said, boy, I've got it all together. That may be the Achilles heel. It may take you down and put you in a sin. But if you are the child of God, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, truth of it is, he said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Do not be shipwrecked. Do not be cast aside. Oh, but he said, when you're converted, when you're recovered, strengthen the brethren. As we have a song of invitation, maybe maybe there's someone here lost today. I want you to know that God's not praying for you. You're completely vulnerable to the wiles of Satan and his works. He desires nothing more than to kill you and destroy you and take you straight to hell. There's a heavenly Father that has interceded on your behalf, first of all, by His work on the cross. He went in on your behalf. Shed His precious blood so that you could be saved. If you'll come and repent and believe the Gospel, that'll be accounted unto you for righteousness. And He will forgive your sins, write your sins off, put them on the cross of Calvary, never to be experienced again. 
Never to be, never to be befalled on the judgment on your own self. Oh, listen, if you're here lost today, come to Jesus. Put your trust in Him. But maybe you're going through the sin. Maybe you're going through the trial of difficulty. Why don't you come down here and reaffirm your confidence in the fact that Christ is your high priest. That He intercedes on your behalf. And everything's alright in my Father's house. It may be rocking and reeling down here. Satan may be trying to shake me to death. Everything's alright in my Father's house. He's got it completely under control. And I'm going to be on the other side of recovery and being able to help others who are going through the same sin. You come as we sing a song. What song are we singing? 337. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. If you want to come down to this altar, hey, this is preventative medicine. You may be here and not going through the sift right now. You may want to be, you may want to come down and guard yourself from that sift. Maybe there's been some haughty words that need to be confessed, made right. Maybe you need to declare your dependence once again on the living Christ and nothing else. You come as we begin to sing. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.